is that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? I want to talk about today the Christian message that you have never heard before. Not in your lifetime. If you've been in church for 40 years, you have never heard this message. You've never read a Christian book on this subject. You've never heard a subject preached from the pulpit about this issue. And there may... and and subconsciously, we have thought about it many, many, many times in our head. And either we were afraid to ask the minister because we were afraid of the answer we might get, or we just sort of gloss it over and just sort of put it back into the recesses of our mind. We never get around to answering, asking the question, although it's in our subconscious mind continuously if you are a Christian. Now the question here is, how can an unconverted person come to know God after he has died? Let me repeat that. How can an unconverted person come to know God after he has died? Now I'm going to give you an answer today, and this, the, you know, the answer to this question is probably worth about a million dollars. If you'd like to send in your donation, I'd be more than glad to take that. But I'm not going to charge you a thing today for answering this question. And again, the question is, how can an unconverted person come to know God after he has passed away? Now the reason I ask this question is because when you study the Bible, and I realize most Christians don't even study the Old Testament. And therefore, they are completely, for the most part, ignorant of what the Bible teaches. Uh, the New Testament is simply not enough. The two go hand in hand together. In fact, you should just call them the Bible, okay? The two, old and new, the Bible, the Word of God. In fact, Paul told Timothy, he said, the Scripture is able to make you wise unto salvation. Now, at the time those words were spoken, the only scriptures they had was the Old Testament. Now, think about that. Paul is telling Timothy, the scripture, the Holy Scripture, is able to make you wise unto salvation. That was, two, that was a couple thousand years ago, and it didn't. And the New Testament has not been composed yet. So, think about that. Think about the, 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 the Holy Scripture, the Old Testament, talked about Jesus, talked about the coming Messiah, talked about a suffering Messiah who would die for our sins. And it was able to make you wise unto salvation. How? By the grace of God. The same way all people have ever been saved, and that is by the grace of God. Now, when you read the Old Testament, especially the conquering of the promised land. Now, when Israel, when God told Israel to go into the promised land, the promised land was occupied. And God told them, I want you to go in there. Now, I, I don't, I don't, I'm going to speculate what these people were like. I'll do that in a few minutes here. But God told the Israelites to go in there. You're familiar with the story of Jericho. You're familiar with the story of Ai the king. He said, I want you to go in there and I want you to wipe out men, women, 
children, and sometimes even the animals. Okay? I want you to kill them all. Now, I sort of, and, and again and again and again, as you read the conquering of the promised land, God said, go in there, wipe them out, wipe out the men, the women, the children, the animal, heap their dead bodies up and burn them. You know, the impression that you get is God didn't work through thraw, thraw, uh, flawed, excuse me, instruments. He just killed them back then. You know, and, and what you read about in the Old Testament is the goodness and the severity. Yes, severity. There's two sides to God. There's the goodness of God. We all, we all want to talk about the goodness of God, don't we? Grace, mercy, forgiveness, compassion, all these things. But few of us want to talk about the severity of God. You know, I mean, who wants to talk about the, the severity of God? And so all of these people were killed. Now, what happens to them? Now, again, I don't know what these people were truly like. We know they did not worship the God of Israel. That's one thing we know. Many times the animals were killed also. I wanted to wipe out the men, women, and the children. I wanted also to kill the animals. And I thought, well, what sin had the animals done? I mean, why, why would God tell them to kill the animals in the, in the towns that the Israelites conquered? And, and I think the answer is probably they had been defiled. Uh, bestiality, probably something, you know, sexual intercourse with an animal, something like that. And therefore, the animals had to be killed also. Human sacrifice, infant sacrifice. Again, we don't know for sure the history of these people when, when the Israelites went in there to conquer the Promised Land. But we know they were occupied, the Promised Land was occupied, and time and time and time again, God says, wipe them out. Wipe them all out. What happens to these people? I mean, you had, now, look, all Babylonian practice uh, infant sacrifice, the Aztecs, the Canaanite god named Moab, Moloch, excuse me, the Mayans, the Icons, the, the Celts, the, the, all of these, these, these people practice human sacrifice. In fact, Tucker Carson said this, there is not a society in our history that did not practice child sacrifice. So I guess we could say, well, these were evil, rotten people, and they deserved to die. Okay, you can say that. You can say that. The women, the children, little babies, um, not knowing good from evil yet, you know, they, they, they kill them all. So the question we're dealing with is how can an unconverted person come to know God after he has died? Who was sacrificed, these little children who were sacrificed to the God Malik. And then we could talk about our generation. We could talk about the 73 million of, uh, induced abortions that take place worldwide each year. That's 73 million abortions that take place worldwide, worldwide each year. Abortion is used, especially in America, as a form of birth control, okay? Will they ever see the light of day? Will they ever see the light of day? Now I want to talk about the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Here was another case in point where God said, just go in there and wipe them out. Genesis 19 and verse 24, 
Then the Lord rained down upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the city and, and that which grew upon the ground. So the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, everything that grew upon the ground and, you know, it almost hints to the animals also were wiped out because when we asked us what, what was Sodom like, Sodom and Gomorrah, well, they were, they were practicing they, homosexuality, uh, men with men, women with women, bestiality, probably, you know, sodomy, probably, you know, uh, it's where the word comes from, by the way, uh, um, you know, infant children with, uh, with men having sex with little children. It was a rotten, filthy, perverted town. And God says, I'm going to wipe them out. So my question in general is, well, what happens to all these cities, these towns, these people? You know, when God said, go in there and occupy the promised land and kill them all, pile their bodies up and burn them, men, women, and children. What happens to all these people that God destroyed? Now, theology, mainstream Christianity has an answer. And let me tell you, the answer is not a pretty one either. Now, the answer, let me digress and explain to you the answer that they have. Uh, Christianity basically believes that you have an immortal soul. Now, it's a lie. It's the first lie Satan ever told to Eve. You shall not surely die. But God does know in the day that you eat this tree, you know, the tree of life, you'll, you'll know good and evil. What is it when you, you shall not surely die? That's an immortal soul. And so we got to be careful where we, what side we're gathering our information on. You know, the words immortal soul is nowhere to be found in your Bible. They're not in there, okay? You don't have an immortal soul. It's a lie. But the teaching is, the theory is, in mainstream Christianity, is that you have an immortal soul. Something that, that cannot be destroyed, something that lives on after death. Now, if your soul, your mortal soul has, now this is the theory, this is not what I believe, okay? Because the words immortal soul is not even in the Bible together. A mortal soul, not, you don't find that together. Okay, if your immortal soul has been good, you go to heaven immediately when you die. If it's bad, your mortal soul, you go to hell when you die. So all of these bad people, men, women, and children that we talked about, you know, the conquering of the promised land, Sodom and Gomorrah, men, women, and children, you know, they're all burning in hell right now. And on judgment day, they will be sentenced right back into hell again. Okay, that's the theory. Now, is that your idea of a just God? Is that the kind of God that you worship? Especially when you contrast it to 2 Peter 3 and verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now how? How is this possible? How, you know, God has a will, and his will is that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If God has a will, can he make it happen? Does he have the power to make it happen? When will it happen? How will it happen is the question I'm, answer, I'm, I'm asking today. Now let's talk about the, the great white throne judgment. Revelation 20 and verse 12. 
And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Now, what is it when dead people stand before God? It is a resurrection. Now, this is not the first resurrection. The first resurrection has occurred a thousand years earlier. The first resurrections are for the dead in Christ. They're resurrected at the return of Christ. You see, if God has called you today, you are being judged today according to your works. Okay? Let me repeat that. If, if, if you are one of the first fruits, if God has called you, if you are a true Christian who has the indwelling presence of the, the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God, today is your day of salvation. 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 2. For he has said, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. So if God has called you, if you are one of the first fruits, today is your day of salvation. Now, if God has not called you, and you're not one of the first fruits, then today is not your day of salvation. But if God has called you, and you're one of the first fruits that God has called, and you have received the Spirit of God, you're being judged right now according to your works. You're not going to be judged later. You're going to be judged right now according to your works. Now, you're not saved by your works. You're saved by grace. Okay. But you are judged according to your works. Okay. Revelation 20 and verse 12. Let's read it again. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. That's a resurrection. And the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. So the books here, plural of S on, end, S on the end of that, that's talking about the Bible. The Bible is a collection of books. Okay. All right, the books were open. The Bible is open. And then the book of life is open. Now, why is the book of life open at this point? Okay, question. Why is the book of life open at this point? Now, according to mainstream Christianity, the book of life is to, you know, the book of life is to see who's in there. And the ones who have been in hell for thousands of years are told you've been in hell and now you're sentenced back into hell for a lifetime. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. You know, if the concept is true, and it's not, but if this immortal soul goes, if you're bad and you go to hell and you've been there a thousand years, what's the purpose of a judgment? You already know where you're at. If, you're, if your immortal soul is good and you go to heaven and you've been there for a thousand years, don't you know where you're, you've already got it made. You're already in heaven for a thousand years. What's the purpose of a judgment? You already got it made. You're already in heaven. So this whole idea of, of the great throne judgment doesn't make any sense unless, unless the reason the book of life is open at this point is to add new names to the book. The reason, get this, I know this is hard for you to grasp because you've been brainwashed by mainstream churchianity. The reason the book of life is open at this point 
is to add new names to it. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Now, here's the problem. Christians don't understand the difference between judging and sentencing. The two words are not the same. Judgment is a period of time, okay? Judgment is a period of time. Sentencing is what takes place after the judgment. So you have a judgment period of time so long, and then after that judgment period of time, judging according to their works, you have the sentencing, good or bad, okay? All right, that's how it works. When do you judge a boxing match? The moment they step out in the ring, you, de you decide who's the winner is. No, no, that's not that's how it works. You judge a boxing match, you know, round one, round two, round three, round four, however many rounds it is, 10 or 12, I forget. But after the rounds, you know, you, you've got your, you're judging each round. And then after it's all over with, you come to a sentencing. You sentence who is the winner. Okay. All right, Revelation 20 and verse 5. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. Now, remember, remember, I said that the first resurrection has already occurred, the dead in Christ. Okay, but after this, you have the rest of the dead. This is the second resurrection. Well, who comes up in the second resurrection? Well, let's start out with the 73 million abortions that take place worldwide each year. Let's start there, okay? Let's start with all the people the Israelites killed when they conquered the Promised Land. Men, women, and children. Were the children guilty? Well, they probably didn't even know the difference between right and wrong. I mean, no, they weren't guilty. Let's talk about the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Were they guilty? Well, yeah, they were guilty. But did they ever have a chance to turn it around? Notice something Jesus said about Sodom and Gomorrah. This will blow your mind. Matthew 10 and verse 14. And whosoever shall not receive you nor hear your words when ye depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. I mean, here were people who rejected Christ's teaching. They rejected Jesus Christ as the Messiah completely. And he says to look, he says, look, you, you stiff-necked, rebellious people, it's going to be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah that I wiped out with brimstone and fire in the day of judgment than for this city. Yeah, yeah. So what is this day of future judgment? It's the second resurrection. It's a judgment period of time. And after that judgment period of time, then and only then comes the sentencing. Okay? Isaiah 66 and verse 17. For behold, I create a new heaven and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come to mind. Next verse, there shall be no more thus inf an infant of days, nor an old man that has not fulfilled his day. For the child shall die a hundred years old, but the sinner being a hundred years old shall be accursed. Yes, yeah, the sinner, after he's given a hundred year judgment period of time, if he doesn't repent, he's going to be accursed. He's going to be sentenced 
to a lake of fire. But notice what it says here. There shall be not to me an old man that has not fulfilled his day. So old people alike are going to be given a hundred years. And there's not going to be a child. The child shall die a hundred years. So little babies, innocent babies are going to be given a chance. Innocent babies that died in their mother's womb are going to be given a chance a hundred years, you see. Now let's look, take a look at the, another illustration of this second resurrection, the Valley of Dry Bones. Maybe you heard about it. Ezekiel 37 and verse 3. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O oh Lord God, you know. And again he said to me, Prophesy unto these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. Now we're dealing with the subject. The question is, how can an unconverted person come to know God after he has died? Ezekiel 37 and verse 10. So I prophesied as, I was command, as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet an exceeding great army. Then he said to me, verse 11, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried and our hope is lost. We are cut off for our parts. Now, the whole house of Israel, remember the Jews, you know, the Jews for the most part, unless they're Messianic Jews, they rejected Jesus as the Messiah. Most Christians believe the Jews are damned to a, a lake of fire for the rest of their life because they rejected the Messiah. But you remember that little statement that Paul made in Acts 13 and verse 46? Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should have first have been spoken to you, but seeing you put it, uh, it from you and judge yourself unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. Yeah, Paul was fed up. And he said, look, from this point, we're going to the Gentiles. Now, are the Israelites, are the Jews, are they lost forever? No hope, without hope? Again, the question we're dealing with is how can an unconverted person come to know God after he has died? And the answer is the second resurrection. Let's continue on in Ezekiel 37 and verse 12. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, O my people, I will open your graves second resurrection, and cause you to come out of your graves, second resurrection, and bring you into the land of Israel. This is a resurrection where they are given a hundred years, a judgment period of time, and then, and only then, will they be sentenced. Ezekiel 37 and verse 13, And you shall know that I am the Lord when I have brought open your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves, and, you, and shall put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I shall place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. Who are these people? Well, your Bible says they're the whole house of Israel. Yes, the whole house of Israel. So the Jews that, that rejected the Messiah, and Paul said, from henceforth, I'm going to the Gentiles. You know, he also said, and I should have brought that scripture up, but what shall, speaking of the Israelites, what shall the receiving of them be? Able, God is able to graft them back in. But what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? What is life from the dead? It's the second resurrection. And, and don't go with that. Well, that's Old Testament prophecy, and that's already been fulfilled. 
unless you can identify in history a global resurrection where the whole house of Israel was resurrected and placed back in their land, you know, you're barking up the wrong tree. You don't know what you're talking about. Okay, so the question is, how can unconverted people come to know God after they have died? 2 Peter 3 and verse 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God has a plan that is bigger than this life. Let me repeat that. God has a plan that is bigger than this little life. It's called the second resurrection. You know, the problem with a lot of Christians is this. Let me tell you your problem. Your God is too small. You worship a little itty bitty tiny God. And I'm telling you, God has a plan that transcends this life. Revelation 20 and verse five, but the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. You talk about the grace of God. You know, people talk about oh, grace, grace, the grace of God right here. I'm explaining to you the grace, the real grace of God. So I'm David Freeman with, is that really in the Bible? And I've just told you the rest of the story about God's grace. Why have countless millions died without ever having had an opportunity to understand the purpose of life and to be saved? Shocking as it may sound, God does not intend for everyone to understand His truth at this time. If He wanted everyone to understand at this time, everyone would understand. Untold millions have died without ever having had an opportunity for salvation. God's seventh and final holy day reveals when and how they will have their day of salvation. Order your free magazine entitled, The Last Great Day. Order by writing to Church of God, Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God, Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Also, visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.net. This program has been paid for by the tithes and offerings of the Church of God Rocky Mount and friends of this ministry. If you have been challenged by listening to this program, then consider that a great blessing. You can visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.net. It is the support of people like you that make this ministry possible. If you have been blessed by this understanding given to you today, then consider making a donation by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. For more information, check us out online at isthatreallyinthebible.net. Listen to the podcast, watch the weekly program, worship with us on our weekly Sabbath service, and be sure to visit our free bookstore. Again, the website is isthatreallyinthebible.net.